Have you heard? I now have a Patreon account where you can sign up to support my work and get some pretty awesome perks to help you realize your own potential. Perks include things like handwritten notes sent via snail mail, monthly oracle card readings for your business, and even exclusive monthly intuitive business coaching sessions. Check it out at patreon.com slash her entrepreneurial spirit. For me, that doubting voice in my head has been the biggest thing holding me back from like everything. Even before I stepped into entrepreneurship, it was always holding me back. And now I feel like I'm at peace, you know, that there's better communication now <laughs> between me and my doubting voice. Hello and welcome to Her Entrepreneurial Spirit. I'm your host, Monique Glover. This is a place for spiritual entrepreneurs to connect and share their voices. Join me as I talk with women who are harnessing the power of intuition, creativity, and trust in order to build authentic and purpose-driven businesses. It's time to lean into your own light as you let these stories encourage you to explore the unlimited potential of your entrepreneurial spirit. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me. I'm here with Kirsten Phillips, who is the founder of Love and Live Yoga and Community, that's Communa, and she guides empathetic women who feel overwhelmed with all the things towards clarity and confidence through gentle accountability so they can shed their overwhelm and embrace their imperfections. Kirsten is a firm believer in the power of love and authentic relationships and brings her wisdom from six plus years as a yoga teacher, facilitator, and life coach to gently guide her clients. Kirsten has such a fun-loving energy and I love how fiercely She steps into her uniqueness and embraces all of her quirks that make her so special and really helps others, really stands up as a role model to help others embrace their uniqueness as well. Welcome, Kirsten. Thank you, Monique. I'm excited to be here. Yay, I'm excited to have you here too. Kirsten, tell us how... Did you get started? Was this always your business or did you pivot at some point or gently go into entrepreneurship? How how did it all get started for you? Money, that's such a great question. Thank you for asking it. Um, <laughs> so I, it's funny. Um, when I, before I became an entrepreneur, I worked as an accountant and I have no, I have never actually taken an accounting class in my life but I'm good with data and numbers. And this was a unique job that needed someone who could handle the data side, but could also communicate well with other human beings. So I kind of fell into that job and I worked at that for almost 10 years. And it was one of those things where I was good at it, but I didn't love it. It didn't fuel my soul. And it was, you know, sort of slowly like chipping away at my well-being. And so I already had been practicing yoga for like a a 
many years. Cause I, I took my first yoga class, I think in like 1999. So like that was already a part of my life before it was a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it was just starting to be a thing. Yeah. Just starting. <laughs> I was on that cutting edge. And so yoga had been like a part of my life, like since then in different capacities, you know, depending where I lived and like what studios were available and things. I'd gotten to a point though, where I knew, I knew I wanted to be a yoga teacher because I have, there's this part of me that every single job I've ever had, even when I worked as an accountant, I managed to have like a teaching role. Like that's, it's important to me. And so I knew, I knew I wanted to become a yoga teacher, but it was a matter of finding the timing. And, you know, I live in the United States. And so that means health benefits you usually get through your job. And my partner being a self-employed photographer isn't bringing in benefits for our family. So part of why I stuck with my accounting job for so long was that it was how we brought in the benefits for, you know, ourselves and our child. And then there was this magical moment when, you know, Obama was president and there was suddenly the Affordable Care Act. That was, that was my pivotal moment of like, great. I can become a yoga teacher now and I can leave my day job. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I couldn't imagine how, how much that would have changed for you and myself being in Canada. It's something that I've had conversations with colleagues before about being in the States and not having the same mat leave available to them, not having the same, they would get benefits through our company that I used to work for, but not just universal things. And it, it, it really surprised me that in North America, there was such a big difference in what was available in healthcare. Yeah. I could see that as a very scary thing when mm-hmm. you are also looking at your family too, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't just me. So was that when you decided to take the leap? Did you take it all at once or slowly go in? It was very slow. I'm, I'm, I've never been one of those ones to jump immediately into the deep end. (laughs) That's been a little too scary for most of my life. So yeah, it was a gradual, like I basically, I decided to do yoga teacher training at the point that when the Affordable Care Act came into being. And then once I got trained, I basically went from a 40-hour work week down to a 32-hour work week. So I'd have one day off to to do my yoga things. And and eventually, it's like I just kind of slowly, 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 slowly decreased my hours to the point where I was kind of like barely there. And and what's sort of funny, kind of sad, like I never had an official like goodbye party because I just slowly stepped away. And it wasn't that they didn't want to throw me one. It was that yes. I just kind of slowly left. Like, oh, where, where'd she go? They just look up one day like, oh, <laughs> where'd Kirsten go? <laughs> exactly. It, it's nice to have that because it's, I mean, it, I feel it's important. Bal- you still, you're still a human and you still have human needs. And as passionate as you can be about something, you still you need to find the balance. Mm -hmm. 
and especially when you have a child as well too i totally understand that like you can't just sometimes dive off the deep end <laughs> you have to have everything <laughs> kind of there there's a time and a place to slowly go in and and play with what's calling you and this is obviously calling you mm-hmm. yeah yeah so how has your business changed from then to now? Were you purely doing yoga at the time when you left? Yeah, I was mostly doing, uh, initially I was trained in adult yoga and then I also got trained in children's yoga. And the the piece though, that like a huge growth moment for me was when I attempted to have my own children's yoga classes. and I rented a space from a local church and I blocked out the time, but I didn't know a single thing about actually, you know, connecting with people to get them to come to my classes. And so so that was like one of those amazing growth times where, yeah, no one ever came to any of those children's classes, but I learned so much. Yes. Yes. Of what, what to do from that. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the the biggest takeaway was that, you know, a lot of parents already had things lined up for their children. And so instead of trying to get children to come to me, I realized, well, where where are the children already? And so I started reaching out to local like preschool and daycares. And so I started teaching there. And that that worked in a much, much better way. In, in doing that piece. And then in addition, I was, I was teaching adult yoga as well. I love that you were right in there with those kids and so young and that they get that experience because I don't know about you, but I didn't like, I didn't grow up with any sort of mindfulness classes whatsoever, even like a tiny <laughs> little bit. That was not an option. And uh, it makes me, it makes me really excited. The kind of the rounded education that kids are getting, and that it's not just all one sided or just at home, but they're learning a yoga practice, they're learning meditation, they're learning breathing, um, and they're so young, and it's amazing. And I don't know. I think about if I knew that so early on, I think it would have saved me a lot of grief in my young adult years. (laughs) Do you find that? It's like, oh, these kids have a fresh start and we're almost having to go backwards to, to learn it all. Yeah, definitely. Like I see the education that my daughter's been getting in public school. Like they have a whole program called the toolbox. That's all about yeah, mindfulness and positive communication. And I was just blown away, you know, thinking the exact same thing that Oh, if I had had that as a kid, life would have been so much easier for me. So you hope you cross your fingers that we're doing, we're doing something right. (laughs) Yeah. So when did, when did you start learning all those skills? When was that something that really started to interest you? That is a really good question, actually. I think, well, a big part of it, one of my best friends, like she's, she's one of those people that I I feel is like much older beyond her years. 
And so in high school, she was very much about like kind of introducing me to I remember what the things were, but it was like the, it was the nineties. So it was like the new age revolution at that point of like, you know, drum circles and like, I don't even know what we were doing, but like reading, you know, all these books that we read and like analyzing our dreams. Do you remember Enigma? Yes. 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 <laughs> like exactly. It was, yeah, it was that, right? Yes, it was. It was called new age, right? And- yes. Yeah. Like a new age section in the bookstore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we go in and flip through and like find the book that like called to us and that would be the one that we would get. And then we'd get our wisdom from it or whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 I love mm-hmm. that. And that there was something about that, that really yeah. felt right for you. Yeah. I think that was like a pivotal turning point for me that I hadn't even put together until you ask the question now. Hey, that's awesome. It's like, hey, wait a second. I find sometimes with the further back we look, then we remember, oh yeah, I I remember really liking all of this stuff. What happened when I, you know, had to become an adult and go get a career in accounting, right? And then you have this day where you said it's just it's slowly chipping away at you. And like, well, what what was it that really fueled me? And the further you look back, it's like you find those little, like the little breadcrumbs, little hints of, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that before I thought I had to become an adult and (laughs) do away with all of these things. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so what are you doing? What are you doing now? Because I know you're doing more than just yoga that it started so you started teaching the classes mm-hmm. and now you are doing a lot of coaching mm-hmm. and facilitating um just big transformations for people which is amazing yeah i mean because like i said it earlier like there's this there's this part of me that always loves to teach but like, I never wanted to be a classroom teacher. That seemed too boring to me. So I never pursued that. So in becoming a yoga teacher, I then quickly became part of the team that led yoga teacher training. And that's, that's kind of, part. it seems to be like part of my pattern of like, you know, teaching, like learning a skill, continuing to teach, to teach in that capacity and then starting to teach others like how to do that same thing and with the pandemic like that was my pivot point in expanding into life coaching like that was the start of my training uh, with yoga and life coaching and now I am a mentor in there have been you know the successive groups since mine I've been mentoring more and more in each one so it's like again it's like I'm stepping back into like yes I am coaching my clients and I'm also mentoring new new coaches as well so you really have a calling that keeps on drawing you back into that teaching and mentorship role Mm -hmm. it's really neat to see the patterns of okay I have the and just the flow of how you have this purpose that keeps coming back to you, no matter if you're pivoting or not, it still seems to find you and that you don't have to be a teacher in the conventional 
sense in the classroom, like you said. I think when you're, you know, in high school and trying to figure out what your grown-up job should be, <laughs> that if you want to teach, it's like, well, you can teach in a classroom and you can teach children, but no one really tells you about all the other options that there are to to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And there are so yeah. many. Yes. Yes. And you don't even, I mean, you could be just a mentor to someone and you're still teaching and passing that knowledge. Well, I'm curious to see how, how have you find the correlation between that personal growth and all those experience in your past career and like you're talking about the nineties when you were really into the new age. How do you see the correlation of your personal growth with your business? Do you find that they go together or one kind of boosts the other that how how do you feel the personal growth and the entrepreneurship work together? Yeah, they definitely do work together. There's a very, I'd say intimate relationship. And I I think for me, there was, you know, especially thinking back to when early on, when I was trying to have children, you know, teach my own children's yoga classes and no one was coming, there was a lot of personal growth that I needed to go through like to, to move past that time. And that was an opportunity of growth for me then. And I, I'm thinking like at this point, it's like, especially going through my, the yoga and life coach training, because part of that process is that, you know, I had a a peer within the training. And so we were basically like coaching each other. So it's like, I got to go through that whole process. So it's like, it was a huge, that was a huge, like personal growth milestone, like from where I was before that training and like where I am now, or like feel like they're light years apart. That's amazing that you had gone through that yourself first. So you know what it feels like to go through that transformation. That's not like, oh, one day I decided I woke up and I decided I'm going to be coach and I'm going to help get you to from here to here. It's like, no, I, I know what it feels like to, to dig in to that experience. And it's such a, such a personal experience right very personal yeah i mean there were there were tears for sure mm-hmm. <laughs> mixed in with the laughter <laughs> <laughs> and how did that help you in your business going through that period of growth what did you come out the other side with the biggest thing i came out with on the other side is confidence that I can do this is, I mean, for me, that doubting voice in my head has been the biggest thing holding me back from like everything, even before I stepped into entrepreneurship, it was always holding me back. And now I feel like I'm at peace, you know, that there's better communication now (laughs) between me and my doubting voice. (laughs) (laughs) That you learn to embrace it a little bit more. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting to talk to other women about that, that doubting voice that, you know, that inner critic and, and everyone always, no one shuns it, you know, it's like, okay, 
I know what you're trying to do. I know what you're trying to keep me safe. Um, that it's more it, giving it love. Would you say that you're giving that voice yeah. some love? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Giving it some love. Mm-hmm. That it's not bad. It's like your fear or fl- your fight or flight reflex. It's there to keep you alive. This is how humans have thrived and survived for how many years. But it's in certain situations where it's not needed, when it's not life or death. And it's not, it's not there to harm you. All it wants to do is protect you. And when you understand and, and you embrace it and give it that love, that's like, okay, okay, I understand you but what I'm doing in my business right now, right? Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't need all that doubt, right? It's okay. I'm safe to step out a little bit, right? Exactly. There's not a saber-toothed tiger on Instagram that's going to get me. We're all good. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's that, I don't know. Do you find it something, and this being a podcast for, I mean, everyone, of course, is welcome to listen, but I am really trying to rein in the female stories of the female, the unique experience of a female entrepreneur. And my husband is an entrepreneur as well. And just like you were saying, your partner, and I find, I don't know, from a male perspective, there's a lot of these things that doesn't cross his mind in the same way as it does with female entrepreneurs. More of that fear and of being judged and rejected. And where does it come from? (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I've done a lot of like, I, cause I, I love to read, like that's like my favorite thing to do and especially you know personal growth books and and I've read a whole book that's talking about like the voices like in our head and like with you know with writers when they're writing like their novels even like the characters sometimes just feel like they're speaking to them and it is really fascinating noticing like the nuances like in our brains and how those voices you know different people hear them to certain degrees and I, th- I think there is also like a male-female component to that. And it's really fascinating. Yeah, it's, uh, so I, my kids are both girls. I have two daughters. And to me, watching Friends with Sons, it's like a foreign world. Like, I don't even, I don't understand little boys. <laughs> like, it's just totally different. And seeing how these girls, I mean... I remember becoming a mom for the first time, like, we're going to keep everything gender neutral, you know, wooden toys. And then my eldest, all she wants like all the glitter and all the pink. And like we owned, I swear, like 32 twos. And <laughs> there was just her thought process was different than my friend's boys at that age. And until then, I had always thought that it was more of a nurture. Nurture had more influence than nature. And I think having my own kids, it made me realize like maybe there is more to that nature. Like you said, the brain connections, the something that um, that's just different in the way we're hardwired. Mm-hmm. I noticed the same thing with my daughter. 
it's like I've never considered myself to be like very girly and you know in the stereotypical sense and then yeah my daughter was all about yeah the princesses the tutus the sparkly tiaras and I was like who who are you where does this come from and even before they even went to like daycare preschool where they would have outward influences mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I find with women in business it's the concerns are there are unique concerns to women in business versus men in business. And I find that interesting that, that a lot of fears female entrepreneurs have are very unique to female entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I do think like in my, just in observing, I think also within like the yoga world that there are like I find that some of the the men that I've met through yoga that have become yoga teachers, like their mind in some ways seems much more similar to me to the female mind than say like, you know, a man that's gone out and become the CEO of some giant company. It's like, so I'm, I think that there also is like a spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, to where we can fall, even, even as women within you know, how much do our fears influence us? And I'm, I'm so fascinated as to like how, what, what defines that level? Or if you can train your brain into those different levels, mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, the feminine and the masculine energy, which are their own essences that not gender related at all. And within different people, there can be a different balance of masculine and feminine and can you can you learn how to balance them more because on the opposite end you can meet women who are CEOs of companies and display that very you know those masculine traits of being very logical right and very detail oriented and scheduled and um, that more scientific brain um, so it's interesting to see, is it something innate when you're born or do people learn and grow through their personal development and it shifts in time? Yeah, I think it's a combination. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe your personal growth experiences along the way mm. change it a bit too, because you're right. Some kids are bo- like, they're just, they're born with, and it's, I remember reading something about birth order too. Um, where your lineup with your siblings or or if you're an only child or if you have older siblings that are out of the house already, how all of that kind of um, develops your personality growing up. It was really interesting. <laughs> and then all of that, like you said, it all has such an intimate relationship with who you are as a business person too. And all the obstacles you have to overcome to be successful. <laughs> yeah. What are some what are some big obstacles that you've had to overcome to get to where you are right now as that confident business owner? I mean, we never stop and it's not like, oh yeah, I'm at this place now, or <laughs> yeah, like everything is perfect because it's great to talk about your best days, but we're we're all human at the end of the day we are all human yeah i it's my limiting beliefs 
are are one of the things that I've delved into more recently to to start to move past those. And I realized that one of my limiting beliefs that like I didn't even realize was there is that I had this like deep fear that in order to say to stay safe, I should never upset or anger anyone else. And that meant that I never really wanted to step up and like say what was on my mind because there was the possibility that it might upset someone and therefore I might no longer be safe. And that would have an effect on the way that you're expressing yourself in your business and connecting with those clients that are uniquely drawn to you. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden your attempt to be safe, then you become very, very generic, right? Very like, okay, well, I'm not going to make anyone angry or happy or anything. You're just going to have like a very baseline (laughs) feeling. Yeah, like the cookie cutter approach to like doing things where it's like, it's going to be exactly this and there's no way it's going to be misinterpreted. And because I've taken in all the variables into account. So yeah, there's no longer any feeling devoid of all feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you found the difference when you do try to step out and market yourself like that? Do you, do you find the difference in the flow and who's connecting with you? Well, yeah. When it, when I'm devoid of feeling and attempting to protect whoever it is, that's going to read it. No one engages. It's crickets. I mean, maybe I get some likes, maybe. It's when I step into that authenticity and allow people to feel whatever it is they're going to feel that then they're able to engage at a different level. Isn't it amazing to to the see that that change in the content you're putting out there? And it's something that I don't think our analytics touch on. And it it, the analytics are very still very logical you know like time of day keywords but there's nothing to say okay how was I feeling what kind of a place was I mentally with this content how vulnerable am I willing to be um, does my audience feel that do they feel that on authenticity or does it seem cookie cutter like you said like they've heard it all before not that I mean everyone will say similar things in their own way but it's that that spin that's your way right mm-hmm. but it's it's a common fear oh my gosh I have it I know so many countless other entrepreneurs that um, feel that same way of of putting yourself out there in that way, in that vulnerable way and showing that part that it's like, well, what if I put that part of me out there and I get rejected? Yeah. And it's funny how you tie it into the safety too. Cause logically it's like, well, it doesn't affect my safety sitting here in my house (laughs) that I'm not saying something totally controversial (laughs) either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. (laughs) Your mind has so much. 
to do with it, so much it can trick you with. <laughs> yeah. And touching back to what you were saying earlier about how, you know, the that fear voice is just trying to protect us. Mm-hmm. That's all it's trying to do. And yet sometimes it ends up sabotaging us in ways that don't always make sense. Yeah, that's trying to be very logical. But then you're like, wait a second, like me stepping into this authentic self and just speaking freely, that has nothing to do with my safety. That is not the same as jumping out into traffic and not looking where I'm going. (laughs) Wait a second. Those are not, they're not the same. (laughs) No, they're not the same. No. (laughs) And yet our brain's trying to tell us that they are. Yes. Yes. It's funny. It's a lot of work on a, a lot of internal work. And it sounds like work you've done too on just the function of your brain and how to, um, how to get over those thoughts. Any tips for people that are facing those limiting beliefs, how to go in there? I know you had said that you didn't even know it was there until you looked in. So how do you find it? Well, yeah, the way that I unmasked that one, and and I I do think this is an excellent tool. Uh, I'm journaling is like my go-to for diving into myself. And this particular tool, I I think is brilliant. And it's it's kind of like the game 20 questions. You're asking yourself why, like you're a three-year-old child, constantly asking yourself why, getting yourself deeper. But the trick is that you do it in a journaling form and that you actually write out the question and then you write out the answer, like whatever comes to you. And it can totally feel like you're making it up. It can feel ridiculous. And usually by the time you get to that, like some, that sweet spot seems to be between about, you know, 15 and like 22 questions is usually when you have a realization of like, oh, that's where that comes from. And I love how you explain it as that three-year-old. I think any parent (laughs) will very intimately understand. (laughs) Makes me think, well, maybe that's why the three-year-olds are asking so many questions. They're getting down to the root of it. Mm -hmm. And for you, that's where that discovery came, at least for this limiting belief. Yeah. And it was it was 15 or 16 questions in that I finally got to the, the heart of it. Mm, I think it it probably really helps you hone into your intuition once you stop judging what you're writing down. Yes. Yeah, that it's not it's not the answers that people expect you to write like in the first you know one to ten yeah yeah but there's more there's more to your answers (laughs) yeah and you yeah and you've got to get past those first ones isn't it interesting that it takes like 15 to 22 to really like how many layers are there that you that you have on top until you can really dig in there (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's kind of wild yeah yeah, oh, it's I find it so fascinating how many things are unconscious to us that are motivating us. Do you have any other practices? You had mentioned journaling, any other practices that you really like to incorporate into your business that are something that are, you know, that they don't teach in business school. It's not a business practice. It's more of a personal growth, a spiritual practice and how that affects 
you know, you and your business? Yes. I have have two things that I do every morning and I try to do them right when I get out of pretty much right when I get out of bed, like within the first like 15 minutes of waking up if possible. And the first thing I do is I write out my affirmations and I usually have about five, no more than five that I am, are my current affirmations. And I have a journal that's dedicated to my affirmations. So I just put the date and then I write them out. Like, and that's like connecting when you're connecting like pen to paper or pencil to paper, like you're, you are connecting to your subconscious. And especially when you're doing it, like when you first wake up or just before going to sleep, like those are the best times to connect. And so I write out my affirmations, which are, they're a combination of things for my business as well as personal growth for me. And could you give us an example if someone's not familiar with affirmations? how you would word those, what those sound like. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also like sort of thinking on mine. I'm like, well, would my affirmations make sense to other people? You know, there's that <laughs> because I've personalized them. Uh, oh, uh, an example of one of my affirmations is I find my flow when I am mindful of the cycles of the moon and the energy within me. I love that. It's, it just gives you freedom to be in that flow and embrace it as something that's actually a strength because I think for so long, I mean, we're in this very structured work life, especially in North America where, you know, you have your nine to five, your five days a week and all through every day, every week, every month, you're, you know, the expectation is that you're consistent. And I think especially as women who are cyclical beings, that you're not consistent, but that's not a bad thing that you have those peaks and (laughs) valleys for that you're really great at something at one point in your cycle. How's that something, your cycles, how have you embraced your cycles in, in your business? With you talking about the cycles and the moon phases, I'm curious if you incorporate that into what you're doing in your business at certain times. Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm more conscious with the actual cycles of the moon, although I've noticed my own cycle now has synced up in a way that, that really mirrors where the moon is at. Because usually when there's a a new moon and that's when like, you can't see the moon at all. It's totally dark. And the new moon is typically when you have the lowest amount of energy. And I'm usually very strongly affected by those, uh, especially the one that we had in, in January of, of 2021. That was, it was like, I was moving through sludgy molasses for like a week. Like it was, Whereas the the full moons tend to bring like energy and excitement and I can use, like, I want to get all the projects done or I have that, like, it's like that, that getting done productivity tends to go with the full moon. And my, my own, my own cycle usually matches up with the new moon. So it's like that low energy dip it happens kind of all at once. So usually have, it's about like 10 days when you include like my cycle and the, and the new moon kind of all together. 
And that's like my time of where I have, I have the most interesting dreams where I, I tend to have like new inspiring ideas. I'm not ready to act on them. That's the insight comes in. And that's why I incorporate in my morning routine. I have my, my morning affirmations and then I allow myself time to journal. And depending on my morning, that could be five minutes or it could be half an hour. And I'll, you know, I'll usually set a timer if I have a strict time schedule that morning. But that way I can record and write down any of those insights that I've gotten. They're recorded in my journal so I can get back to them. When I'm in that productivity, like I have them to refer back to. That's an amazing balance between the two. And it lets you kind of think on them as well too. But then it's not lost because you didn't write them down or it came to you in that half awake stage. Yeah. That, I, I love that. It's very interesting because I found the same thing too when you start paying attention to your menstrual cycles as a woman and the cycles of the moon and your cycles of productivity in your business. And when you feel productive, when you feel that creativity surge, um, it, it's really fascinating, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yes. Oh, fascinating. I, it still like boggles my mind sometimes. Something would you recommend female entrepreneurs look into, especially? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's really powerful I, just to be aware, mm-hmm. just to be aware of it. And, and just noticing, you know, your own, your own energy changes. Mm-hmm. Because I think we're very... I don't know. We're very hard on ourselves when our energy does change. It's very quick to blame yourself of, well, it's fine. Feeling great yesterday. And I had all these creative ideas, like, especially when you're in a creative profession where you're, you know, you're almost, if you are in that corporate world where you're forced to be creative on demand and there's more increased pressure on you and like, well, what happened yesterday was fine. Now I'm not. Now I'm tired. I'm not supposed to be tired. I need to drink more coffee. (laughs) Yeah. And it really puts in perspective, like you said, the new moon and the full moon and how you embrace the time for the insights and the action and that they each have their place. And one's not better than the other. Exactly. It's reminding me back to um, my women's group community that I lead, it's all about focusing on a weekly quote and journaling prompt. And then we all get a turn to share like what, what we've journaled about. And it's just, it's building that, that beautiful community. And at the end, I do a guided visualization that just kind of helps, you know, tie everything together. And so that everyone can leave in this connected, grounded state. One of the more recent themes, like this is why I just thought of it, was around momentum. And that momentum, I I think for a lot of people, myself included, to me meant that, you know, you had to be in constant productivity. That there wasn't ever a change to it. And one of the things that came out of this community session was noticing that 
momentum can, the amount of momentum can change. You can still be in momentum and maybe all you do is pop on social media and you comment on like three posts. That's still being in action. You've done something. That is momentum. And that might be it for, you know, during the new moon or your menstrual cycle, that might be it for the day. Whereas when you're in that high productivity state, you might be posting five things in a day and, you know, writing a new blog post and, you know, all those things and recognizing that all of that can be part of momentum and that it's a, it's a continuum. It's not a a set amount. Yeah, that it's not, it's not linear. I think it's very, our minds like to think in a very linear fashion. Like it's confusing to start thinking in a cyclical fashion or even a spiral fashion about how you come back to things. That just because you have that downtime doesn't mean that you're going back on the timeline. (laughs) It's just helping you. It's helping you rest and recharge and sustain that momentum once it comes back around again because what happens when you don't i mean when it's not sustainable then you you burn out and how big of a thing is that (laughs) now you're hearing about it more than ever yeah yeah burnout is real oh yeah (laughs) i think more and more people too can probably speak as a mother that we're in this modern society where 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 women are allowed to go and have their careers, but then we very much have this desire to be there for our children too. And you're balancing this world of your purpose in your career and your purpose as a mother. And it's almost like instead of just having the one before, now you're juggling two and the two, the feminine and the masculine energy. And it almost leads to the burnout quicker because you're trying to give your full undivided attention to both. And then you end up tired at work and then you are tired, (laughs) cranky with your children. (laughs) Then you're not serving anybody at that point. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're not even serving yourself. No. How do you find that balance in entrepreneurship and motherhood? It's taken some time. And I, you know, I'll admit I'm not, I'm not perfect at it for sure. It's, and I think for me, the the turning point was when I became much more aware of how the moon cycles, my menstrual cycles, how they affected me and I'm coming into a state of acceptance that I can't do all the things all the time. And when I became like, okay, with that truth, then it was like, okay, (laughs) I can, I can do the things I'm able to do. And it's okay to ask, you know, can my partner cook dinner tonight? Yeah, that you don't have, no one expects you to take it all on except yourself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's really, it's almost, it's like this burden of, being this enlightened woman is that all of a sudden you think it's also your responsibility to do everything. (laughs) 
when no one asked you to do everything, you just kind of assumed like, no, I, I got it. I got it. I don't need to ask for any help. <laughs> and isn't it interesting that that is like part of our like base layer or whatever it is of this, like, yeah, no, I've got it. I don't need to ask for help. And yet if we stopped and asked for help, it would be so much easier. <laughs> Yeah, well, I know personally that's something that I still struggle with is I have a hard time asking for help. And I stop and I think like if anyone had asked me for my help and I think of close friends that have their own kids and if they asked me for help or to, if I could help watch their kids say so they could do a Zoom call for a meeting, it, it wouldn't even... I wouldn't even have a second thought about, yeah, of course. But then when it's around, I'm like, oh, I don't want to ask for help because I don't want to bother people or maybe it's don't want to get a no answer or that it's easier to do it yourself, like especially with a partner. <laughs> like, oh, I can just do it myself and it'll be the way I want it to be. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yep. Been there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think a trap also when you're in a, so when you're a solo entrepreneur, you're so used to just juggling all the things and it's like, okay, I don't have to manage a team and compromise and it's, I got it. And then you almost take that into your, <laughs> into your life. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Well, what's, what, what is, What's kind of that driving force that keeps you keeps you going, being an entrepreneur and being a mom and doing it? Because it's not it's not easy. So why why do you keep doing it? Why do you not want to go back to <laughs> your accounting job? <laughs> I think it has to do with like my my core essence. I come from a place of like profound love is like, that's my core of my core values. That is the most core of my values. And I find that part of that expression of profound love is being able to give to others that that gives back to me, you know, that in order for me to feel energized and fulfilled, I need to give to others. I, you know, I do also have to be careful that I don't give too much without receiving, you know, imbalance. Like that's a whole, that's a whole other piece. But finding that, that gift of giving and working as an accountant, there's no, the numbers don't care. The spreadsheets don't care. It, it just, it feels like a waste of my, of my energy. Mm. That you're that person that needs to be out in the world and give the love. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, someone next to you might be like, no, that's too, <laughs> that's too emotionally draining that maybe it's like a certain level. And there obviously needs to be accountants in the world because I, I certainly cannot do it. I am not good. <laughs> <laughs> with numbers. <laughs> That's why I have an accountant to do that part <laughs> of my business because it is an important role. But 
it, it's not something that's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Just like being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. And I think it's really listening to what is for you and not forcing yourself into something that isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finding that fulfillment, that, that joy that you're excited to, <laughs> to work every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where it doesn't feel like work. I think you can find that place. You're very lucky. Because a lot of people, they would love to find that balance, but never get there. So I feel if you're, you can really fulfill your purpose and incorporate it into your career and bring abundance to your family as well, that that's such an amazing gift. Yes. Yes, it is. So let's leave people with what are your words of wisdom for maybe someone who's struggling to get there? Maybe they thought of entrepreneurship. They, they know they're at the place where they're not fulfilled. It's obviously a scary place to be when you start questioning these things. What are, what are some words of wisdom from your experience as a life coach that, you know, those first steps to, okay, let's conquer this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a real place to be. And I've been there and it can feel really scary and really lonely. And so I, from my perspective, I mean, like I said, journaling is always like, that's my go-to. And, and even for someone that hasn't journaled before, there is something really powerful when you can connect pen to paper. And I'd invite anyone that's realizing that they're in that place of wanting a shift or a change, maybe feeling unsure of where to start or, or what exactly it is that you want. Like it's totally okay to feel that way. And a great way to help discover maybe a little piece of what of what it is you want is to journal. And when you journal, it doesn't matter how many words you put on the page. You can even draw a picture, you can squiggle, you know. That's the cool thing about journaling is that the definition isn't set. You get to choose. Do you want to write out like three pages of whatever words are on your heart? Amazing. Do you want to write one sentence and be done? Great. Do you want to, yeah, draw doodles and little little tick marks, you know? That all counts. And it's just breaking through that initial barrier. Because I, I think sometimes there's that, that stigma that like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. I'm here to tell you, there's absolutely no way to journal wrong. You can't. It's impossible. If you have connected a pen or a pencil to a piece of paper and you have made some sort of mark on the page, you have journaled. <laughs> Give yourself a pat on the back. But there's not. There's not the formula of th- this is how you journal. And if you do not do it this way, then you fail at journaling. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's no such thing. Get it out of your head, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. And the other piece too, is that if you're trying to journal in like a notebook that's been like sitting on your shelf for like 10 years that you kind of hate, you're never going to journal in it. Go, go treat yourself. Get yourself a book that you're excited to pick up and hold. And a pen or a pencil you actually like writing with. Thank you for tuning in and sharing this very special space with me. If you loved what you just listened to, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And I would be so grateful if you left a comment, a rating, and shared with anyone that you feel called to. Sending you so much love and light. Until next time, take care, lovelies.